And welcome oh, fuck, we're live? to another episode of Joey Hates Movies. Nice announcer voice. I feel like we should start this episode with like, with like a 90s song. You're doing it wrong. Like, nobody on the road. I'm just thinking Boys of Summer. That's not a 90s song. What about Fast... There's the Atari's cover, but I think even that's the 2000s. What about Fastball? But where were they going without ever knowing the way? Anyone can see the road that they walk on is paved in gold. It's always summer, it never gets cold. How do you know this you said, so You well. said two of the... Two of the <laughs> I don't know if you're paying attention. We disagreed on two different things. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know anything. You don't know Fastball? I don't know who that song is. You, I you heard the song. I, I, I have the vaguest whisper of the melody. <laughs> we executed perfectly. Pulled that out of the ether. <laughs> I can see the music video. They played it so much on VH1. Yeah. Where, where the dude is jumping off a roof during like the weird bridge of the song. There's also like weird yellow like sepia tone in the music. Lots of sepia tone in the 90s mm. for music videos mm. I feel like. Mm. But regardless, why are we talking 90s? Hi. Why are we talking 90s? Because this week's Joey Hates Movies. I'm Joey, by the way. That's uh, that's Nick, and then this, is, this Coral. is Coral. Okay, Coral. Um, we let Patreon decide which movie we were going to play. And that's um, usually a bad thing. Usually a bad thing. <laughs> I believe that some people were a little hurt, Coral, that last time you, uh, you said that all their picks have been bad. <laughs> But didn't they choose The Matrix before? I don't like The Matrix oh, very well. much. The Matrix is fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's not that they're bad picks. It's that they're all, they all feel like they're recommendations coming from the same person. And we need to shake it up a bit. That's all. So Introduce a little anarchy. To do that, instead of making it a completely free-range vote, we, we kind of tailored the experience yeah. to a bunch of rom-coms. Yes. A type of movie that I can probably count on one hand and really <laughs> struggle to name the amount that I've seen. Probably just clueless. That's why this is good. This is why we had to do this. this yeah. Is a, an untapped genre. It is. I, I'm trying to think of rom-coms I've watched. Can you like name more iconic ones and I'll say if I've watched them? Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. No. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. No. Uh, failure to launch. Failure to launch. No. Almost any Matthew McConaughey vehicle from before 2015. I don't think so. Uh, um, you probably haven't seen any rom-coms, Joey. I can't yeah. imagine a world where you would have. Yeah. I'll I'll do some research. Maybe by the end I'll you, remember. Maybe one. 500 Days of Summer. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you've watched it. This might be your first rom-com. Oh boy. Then maybe we got off on the wrong foot because without doing too much of bearing the lead, what in the holy fuck is this movie? <laughs> and why do people like it? My understanding of Clueless is that it is like a thing people love. Yeah. Yeah. Why? They do. Because it it is it has a really genuine heart. It's funny. It is endlessly quotable. It is over the top. It is stylistically singular it is gleeful it's indicative of the era that it was made in too which i feel like is not usually the case in a like it's not usually a thing that's said in a good way yeah and it was so weird because i was in my room just playing video games and joey walks in and he goes how the fuck do people like clueless and then i just was trying to hide my expression i was like what do you mean <laughs> Because I had literally just got off the phone texting Coral. I was like, 
I forgot how much I love Clueless. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not... I feel like this show could have taken a direction from the beginning where I'm intentionally trying to be contrarian. Yeah. Or grumpy or even more nitpicky than I am. And I think I've done a really genuine job of not, like, fulfilling that role and, like, trying to take this... And, and, no, not trying to. Like, like actually taking this as, like, a learning experience and seriously. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I can be a real grump about this movie. I didn't quite... <laughs> I, I, I didn't quite get it. So, I... I Coral, what, what is Clueless? All right. Clueless is the 90s cult classic rom-com. Um, it is a coming-of-age rom-com following the popular, wealthy, and painfully sincere Cher Horowitz as she navigates high school life. With her best friend Dion, she takes in new girl Tia under her wing, gives her a makeover, launches her to social relevance. When Ty briefly falls for Cher's alt-college, socially conscious weirdo ex-stepbrother, Cher suddenly realizes her own feelings for him. And after a brief journey of understanding and self-improvement, the two finally pair up. Happy endings for all. The end. And I was one of those people, I was like, oh yeah, this is based off some Shakespeare shit, right? Almost. <laughs> no, but but then I was like, wait, no, I don't. this doesn't seem like Shakespeare, because How to Lose, no, not How to Lose a Guy, 10 Things I Hate About You, is that Taming the Shrew? That is, yeah. And that's also based on another popular rom-com of Taming the Shrew is... Um, no, no, I'm not getting mixed up. It was just this one. Yeah. So I was like, what is this movie? And then I had to look it up because I don't know British, uh, I guess, books. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know British <laughs> books as well. And then I found out it was uh, Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. And, and-, and, and immediately, adaptations rarely surpass the source material. <laughs> but I do not like Jane Austen's prose. Oh. Like, I feel like her prose is so boring all the time. I don't care what these British people are thinking about 24-7. I know she's just trying to get with Mr. Darcy. Yeah. What's going on? I don't care. Mm-hmm. But this. This does it. Clueless gets me. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it it stands on its own. It's not fun because you can compare it to, like, an old book. Wow, yeah. it's so modern. But it's. It, you don't need to know that. It's a great time. I think it has all the pizzazz that Jane Austen wished she yeah. had. <laughs> the wish she possessed. It's so much fun. And I think the movie just really runs out of the gate with just like, whoa, this is a crazy world yeah. that you live in. Like, Cher's waking up and she's dressing herself with a GeoCities page on her <laughs> computer that I just, I don't understand how it works. I just, I just want to know what technology, like, if... If I had watched this movie when I was a child, I'd have been like, that's what it means to be rich. Yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've thought about that computer that dresses you and has an AI built in to know if something is stylish or not. Like, constantly. When I was a kid, constantly. I wanted it. <laughs> it was a very real force in my life that that was like something to aim for. But in 2019... Did we get there? No. There's, there's smart mirrors now and shit like that. Yeah, you can work out in front of one. <laughs> That's a nightmare. That is not the dream. <laughs> but, but that being said, in 2019, the outfit that it chose for her, that yellow checkered, not a fan. Really? I was not feeling that outfit in particular. It's, it's so iconic. No, yeah. It's definitely like 90s, but yeah. I feel like it... It, it stayed in the nineties. Well, the fashion's also really interesting because this isn't this isn't how teens were dressing in the nineties. Oh like, no! All these, this like weird 
bright, preppy, knee socks everywhere thing was not really what was cool in the 90s, especially the late 90s when this was released, I think. This was like such a weird exaggeration, like tapping into the ideas and the values of 90s fashion, but making it completely its own thing, which I think is why it still looks cool and iconic and stands alone. I feel like the art director was just handed a Costco soda cup and was like, design an entire movie based on this aesthetic mm-hmm. and they're just like all right fam i got you and they just intentionally taken to 11 oh yeah that vibe, it's so right? vibrant yeah. it's so fun it's so vibrant it's so silly like it just feels like the best possible version of theater in that everyone is committed to being a hundred percent playing it straight but it's also just cranked up to 11. Everyone's being this just caricature of their character archetype, and I love it. Yeah, it's so, everyone is so genuine and so, like, earnestly being that person they are. There's no, like, winking about it or, like, I'm playing an idiot, and so I'm going to play it this way. It's like, she's so, Alicia Silverstone means it so much and believes mm-hmm. in Cher Horowitz so much. And she doesn't, and that's the thing that I was at odds with while I was watching the movie. I was like, immediately you're presented with a stereotype of a person that you would immediately associate as superficial mm-hmm. and maybe even dumb. Right. But she's not dumb. Yeah. She isn't not dumb at all. She's very intelligent, but she just genuinely like, is ignorant to a lot of things. Yeah. But not in a way that's dumb. It's just like, oh, she just, she is capable of being very intelligent, but she just is just so privileged. She doesn't privileged. understand. And she's 15. Yeah, you know? exactly. There's like a, a, a naivety that is really. She's crazy. ignorant in a way that makes sense for someone yeah. who's 15. You shouldn't yeah. expect her to be like, well, obviously she didn't know the tax code because she's 15. Yeah. Like, and she also lives in LA in Beverly Hills at the height of luxury and exorbitance in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, LA's not really like that anymore. Like everyone just had so much money in the nineties. Yeah. Was it supposed to be like a like a almost a parody on it's, Los Angeles culture? Oh yeah, for and, sure. It's a very like kind of soft satire, I think, of of that nineties LA Beverly Hills life. And rich, yeah, like not just Los Angeles, but rich yeah. people, which I assume at that time period for people outside of the area would just go hand in hand of like Los Angeles slash rich, mm-hmm. because it. Uh, Maybe I have a thing where I just don't want to like people who have exorbitant amounts of money. <laughs> just like right out the gate, I'm like, fuck these privileged ass. <laughs> fuck fuck this 15 year old girl. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, like, what kind of a dad is like letting her have this kind of like, rain it, rail in her spending? Why is she going to Tiffany's every weekend? Like, <laughs> what is actually going on here? This, this is no way to raise a child, right? She's doing okay. She's not a bad person. No, she's a good person. Yeah. She's just care. She, all she cares about are things that 15-year-olds care about. Yeah. That's not fun. That's like fine. driving poorly. She's yeah. driving. <laughs> she did fine. Still don't Close. drive well. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but we're immediately given a snapshot of Cher, and we almost completely understand who she is in and out except for i think her level of intelligence and i think that's something that the movie plays with in a in a delightful way that's just like there's like a fast forward a bit to 
the the scene where she's driving home with Paul Rudd and his girlfriend or whatever, and they're arguing about uh, what is it? What uh, what play? Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah, they're they're arguing about Hamlet, and she just comes out from nowhere and just like, no, this is actually what ha- happens in Hamlet. And she goes, it was uh, what was his name? That- Hamlet. No, not Hamlet. Oh. <laughs> uh, she knows which character said a line because Mel Gibson played him. Yeah, exactly. She's like she, she remembers who she, it was, and like it's smart in a way that makes so much sense for that character to connect those dots in that way, which I think is a very difficult thing that writers struggle with a lot. It's like you can make anyone sound smart, but making a character sound smart in a way that's decidedly them is another thing entirely. And I think that's what this movie does very well with, with every character. Yeah. Because we're also, we also meet Dion right away, mm-hmm. and she's a lot of fun. Dion's great. Hats <laughs> and shares, like, we were both named after singers from yesteryear who now sell <laughs> fitness vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see Turk. Turk. From, I don't, I don't, Donald yeah. Faison. We see Donald Faison. I, I've met Donald Faison. I've worked with him before. Um, very nice man. But it was just so wild to see him so young mm-hmm. and with braces. Braces. Such oh. a baby face, though. He kind of he pretty much looks the same, just like a little tiny bit older. But like yeah. he looks he looks good. And speaking of looking good, Paul Rudd has not aged a day. He looks identical. <laughs> like it's creepy, yeah. right? <laughs> I would. I, I'm not normally one a person who goes like, oh, I know who that actor is. I'm like, that's Paul Rudd. <laughs> that's Paul Rudd from like 30 yeah, years ago. Some early Paul Rudd. <laughs> what happened? What, the one thing that I was always unclear about, what's the relationship of Paul Rudd they to are the family? Not really, they are not sis brothers. They used sister. to be step-siblings. They are no longer. I don't think we're really told when they became step-siblings or how long they were step-siblings. I never grew up with I don't I don't think any of us have do you have a step I don't think any of us have step siblings here. Yeah. So I've always been like there's always like the do you date if you're interested in your No. Well, no, sure. <laughs> but like if you're a dumb teenager, you're you're all you're thinking is that person's not related to me and yeah. they're pretty. Yeah, I don't think it's weird at all. I've always just kind of like nodded when other people are like, "That's gross." I'm like, "Yeah, that's <laughs> sure," but I don't, I don't think it's weird. But if Paul Rudd's as sitting soon, in your living room, I mean, we're really skipping ahead. But as soon as I got the hint that like <laughs> yeah. that like this stepbrother and stepsister were gonna become an item, ex stepbrother, they're not step siblings anymore. You can't. You don't stop being step siblings. Yes, you do. Ah, what they're they're they're. Her dad and his mom got married, and then they got divorced. Yeah, but she but, uh, during her lifetime, she's only known him as a stepbrother. You can't, you don't just like stop being like, <laughs> oh, hey, we still have like. What about step parents? I would say if your parent divorces your step parent, they're not your step parent anymore. Yeah, Do you fuck them. <laughs> that's a, mean, that's, <laughs> a power, that's a power that's a power move. <laughs> So yeah, that was always weird. I was like, why is he always at their house? Like, that's a weird thing to do for this young boy. Yeah. My mom's ex-husband lets me hang out around here because I go to UCLA and Beverly Hills is close by. So I want to go also be a lawyer and read Nietzsche by the pool. With my cool sunglasses. <laughs> also, everyone, everyone in this movie who is like 
waiting to be recognized by another character is always reading just dense <laughs> literature, which I love. Like, oh, it's so funny. Like, it, I think it's like a... Uh, the, the the big comparison I have for this movie is, oddly enough, Airplane. Mm -hmm. Because I think that it is a comedy that is indicative of the time, and it's a movie I went in expecting none of the jokes to age well. Mm. And I think for the most part, I was wrong. There was one that I was like, that's a, that was a bold move, Cher, yeah. where she makes the Ike and Turner comment yeah, about Dion. And, and I was like, okay, Cher, maybe you need to take it easy over there, but whatever. You weren't a fan of the one student who was never tardy at all, even once, was the one Asian student? Oh, I, didn't, I don't think I ever noticed that. <laughs> Um, what else uh, is? <laughs> well, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of else. Like you just you, you just meet every '90s character ever made in the span of like the five teachers minutes. Teachers a lesbian. Yeah, the, you have yeah. you have the gym the, teacher. There, there's a lot of stereotypes as comedy here, I think, but it not like in a way that feels as gross as Airplane did. No, I don't think it's. I don't think this movie is ever trying to be mean to anyone. I think is a big part of it. it this movie, like, really cares for every character in it yeah i yeah. think it's the only people it's ever mean to is the unnamed amber. teachers in the staff lounge and amber which one's amber amber's the one who can't have any balls flying at her face gotcha. the redhead who gotcha. looks like a mess yeah no, yeah amber's 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 rough but um even like well you also have the i forget the guy's name but he's the dude from uh princess bride who's their teacher the, that's a rom-com I've seen. That's not a rom-com. It's it's listed as one on <laughs> It's like fantasy romance. But the 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 balding dude, he kind of talks like this. Um not Gilbert Gottfried but yeah, a little I don't bit. His name. You you know who I'm talking yeah. about though. Like even Cher and Dion's relationship with trying to set up their teachers. When I first watched this movie, I remember them going I remember thinking it being done out of malicious intent, this pairing mm -hmm. between uh, the, the two teachers. You have right. the, the, the teachers who are clearly destined to be each other, be with each other based on like their kind of personalities. Mm -hmm. But when I first watched the movie, I just felt like, oh, these, these girls are going to be mean because mm -hmm. they're popular, they're rich. But this, like, they do it for not the most like, selfless of reasons but it, they genuinely do care about what they're doing for yeah, their teachers and that that is kind of shares inspiration to be nice to ty is she was like i did this nice thing and it felt really good what if i start doing nice things all the time what if i help people that was fun and that's kind of it's such a f like wholesome inciting incident mm -hmm. which is just like i don't think a movie like this could exist anymore yeah i really i think part of why this movie is so loved by girls and why it's lived so long is that it doesn't use Cher's like superficial interests as a shortcut for her being dumb yeah those two things can coexist and similarly like her popularity and her her social success doesn't cue us in that she's actually really mean like she's allowed to be a complete person and those like touchstones of girliness mm -hmm. aren't terrible signs that she's a bad person I think that's like part of why this movie always really like feels so warm and loving and doesn't feel like a mean shitty teen dramedy. Yeah, it's super wholesome and it was one of those movies that I that I had to like it just felt appropriate to to drink some like 
seltzer water with like a little splash of vodka and it was like i'm just vibing this mm-hmm. warm comfort blanket of the 90s and i feel like i'm transported back to childhood yeah next day broke into my vodka it was already broken in <laughs> <laughs> it's uh why do you hate good things joe i don't think they hate yeah. good things. i think there's like a i i i i feel like i didn't like any of these characters and i felt like there was like What's with this weird meandering, not a plot? What? This like, what's you? actually going on in this movie? It feels like a whole lot of nothing. Like, what am I actually following, or what am I invested in? Her try- her meeting Ty and this burgeoning friendship, and her like failing to date. She tries a few different people, but then Ty just like becomes shitty, and all the things that she probably didn't want to be before his relationship. She doesn't be become like- shitty. I think she just like slowly yeah. figures things out. Yeah. They have a moment of conflict, but they're still friends at the end. Mm-hmm. How fun. They're still friends. <laughs> wow. And then she shot her in the back of the head. Um, well, I, I, not I, everything I, can I, be collateral. I need you to stop right now. There's, no, it, it, that's not like what... That, that's, that's not what I feel like I was getting from from Ty. So like Ty is, is like taking under Cher's wing. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like... It, Ty becomes like this weird, semi ungrateful person who's like now too cool. And you're like, oh, I thought that you like had a good relationship, and now I'm getting like vibes you're not having a good relationship because like your your success now has kind of gotten to your head. Yeah, I mean I think that's a a, a plot point that their friendship's on the rocks and she's having trouble with the adjustment, but I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think it's like a reveal that Ty's been ruined. Ty was trained by a U.S. Marine Corps on how to shoot a gun properly. (laughs) Does that make someone a bad person? Um, No, that was a collateral callback. Uh, (laughs) It was wild. Wild. Seeing Brittany Murphy again. Such a baby. It's so sad. She's so young. And I was like, oh. Yeah. This was like, I think, her her first, like, notable role. Her and Alicia Silverstone, it was their both of their first wow. big deal roles. Yeah. <sighs> little babies. And it's, ugh, man, yeah, that was weird. That was definitely like, oh, man, Brittany Murphy, I remember. Like, yeah. I remember when, when I found out about her death, and I was just like, oh, fuck, the girl mm-hmm. from Clueless died. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird to, to posthumate, because I feel like, Unlike a lot of celebrities that you go back and you like, oh, they're dead now. Whatever, they've always been dead. That's not really. That's not really. That's not really the case go with on. like someone like Brittany Murphy, who definitely yeah. came into popularity as we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, just seeing that and now watching it so many years later is just weird. Yeah. But she did good. Yeah, she's talked about in interviews. The I think probably the most iconic line in this movie is. Why am I even listening to you? You're a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> Brittany Murphy's talked about how, like, when she shot that sh- scene, she was a virgin who couldn't <laughs> drive. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's pretty funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I do like her character before she gets tamed. I always confuse this movie with uh, 10 Things I Hate About You because of it feels like taming the shrew for a bit, and then it's not. Right. But um, I really like her character before she gets tamed, quote unquote, because I feel like I've never really seen a character like that who wasn't just a stoner 
stone stoner dude who is the guy who's sitting in the front left of their classroom yeah. with the long hair who skateboards and is also a stoner. Brickenmeyer. Is that that's his, of the is that was like a thing, right? Brickenmeyer. I think I, I have a, a long involved personal <laughs> history with Brickenmeyer, but it's all inaccurate. What do you mean? There's the um I can't remember the actual name of it now. The thing where like you hear about something for the first time, and then once you hear oh, it the time, you s- over think you over. hear about it a lot. Uh-huh. Is, oh, that's yeah. That that's either Dunning Kruger or Myers Briggs. It's not Myers Briggs. It's it's um. That's the Streisand effect. No, <laughs> I think it's Dunning Kruger. But but why? Sure, but, but why is it that though for you? I, why? Because I spent my entire adult life thinking it was called the Breckenmeyer phenomenon and it was named after him because someone <laughs> saw him in a movie and then saw him in a lot of movies after that yeah. so they named that experience the Breckenmeyer phenomenon really yeah I, I spent years correcting people that's amazing I had no idea yeah it's not true but it's interesting that I've seen that to see a character like that you know why it's because it's uh it's batter Meinhof. Yeah, it's about. similar. It's, it's BM. It's similar. I don't know <laughs> how I ran with that for so long, but I did. Brick and Meyer, you know, it's the stoner from Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> it's a phenomenon. Then you don't do your 12 steps, and then suddenly you remember everything every more. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're a bit of a shotgun blast of talking about the movie, but that's just because I feel like the movie will end itself all to just be like, oh, I love this part. I love this part. Because like, you can't just follow a string through it. And it's just no, kind of like that's not it at all. I just feel like it's so much fun, and there's a lot of things to talk about, and I think that it's so witty. And it's so clever all the time. And it's just like, like Airplane, it is always trying to do some sort of gag. And the commitment to that gag is just always fun, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. Every piece of information is shared in a way that is also funny. It's yes. never just giving you plot or movement. It is always, how do we, how do we give this to the people in a way that is entertaining and silly? I want to talk about the apple of Cher's eye. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Josh. Josh. Very good 90s name. <laughs> Paul Rudd. No, not Josh. No, the oh. not Paul Rudd. The other guy. Elton. Elton. Is that his name? Or Christian. Oh, I, uh, the one who she wants to have sex with. Christian. Christian. Yeah. I love Christian. <laughs> well, good news. <laughs> he, do they ever confirm that in the movie? Yeah. Do they? I thought it was just speculated. I thought it was like, just like look implied. Look at him. He doesn't want to have sex with her. Also, he likes art. They have they have a realization and the next scene is a flash forward of like, well, anyway, we're we're still great friends and but see, it's That's what is that's what's nice because I feel like a, a worse movie would have been like the, the, that would have been like a big plot reveal like, "Oh, he's gay. Isn't that funny?" It's like no, not really. But like, I like that it's so. It's very clear to the audience, but to share all she sees is him. Like she, she sees what she wants from him, mm-hmm. and she's just failing to recognize every possible <laughs> sign that she that he is just not into her. Yeah. Uh, what movie is it that they're watching in, in her bedroom? Oh, was it? Is it Rebel Without a Cause? I don't. I don't think. Was so. it a James Dean movie? Red and Stimpy. Oh, it was no. That was something else. They were watching Ren and Stimpy, but they're watching a movie. I think there's a line about how he's very similar to James Dean, but they were watching something. Oh, else. got it, got it. But yeah, I just thought he was so much fun mm-hmm. at all the time, and just I love seeing the relationship between them, and I like seeing Cher pursue him, 
and he's so clueless. Cookies. Like that's it's a fun reversal of roles where a, a typical rom com. You said the word, huh? You said the word. What? Clueless. Oh, yeah. That's that ding ding. Um, but like in a typical rom com, it's always the clueless guy or the, the 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 yeah the guy's clueless or blah blah blah. And it's just like it's fun to see this all unfold the way it does in the movie. The the entire like party that they have that they go to is just so wild mm-hmm. and fun. Ugh. Can we talk about how we um, don't have to live with uh, needing a map in a book in Los Angeles? <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> That's not the right page. That's not the valley. Oh, we got to go all the way to the valley. That's a joke for us. Okay. Like, I Yeah, I was... I the, haven't really appreciated how much in this movie is just about traveling through Los Angeles. <laughs> Until you get here? Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess now that you've like lived here and you see it again with like a lot of purposeful intent, you're like, yeah. oh... I go to the valley every day for work. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to Circus Liquor? No, I looked up where it was, though, in North Hollywood. It's in North Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. close by. Yeah. It's, this is one of those L.A. movies for me that's weird because I've been to, like, everywhere that they filmed at. Like, I could, like they filmed at, like, Occidental College and, yeah. like, Circus, that Circus Liquor. Uh, I've never been... Uh, mugged at gunpoint there. <laughs> I love which, that mug scene. It's so funny. I... I, I was just watching that mugging scene in disbelief of like, this is how someone's acting when they're being robbed with a gun to their head? Yeah. Like, oh no. Uh, it's it's like... Uh, I feel like there's probably been many muggings like this, like post-club. Yeah. Like just blocking out the club at 2 a.m. You're a little bit drunk. Uh, I, I don't want to give you my jacket. You said the fucking gun to your jacket. <laughs> Um, one one thing that I noticed about this, I feel like m- movies have a hard time with house parties mm-hmm. all the time, because I'm I've always grown up in a, a, a an area of California where there there weren't these over the top wild ass house parties, but rather more like suburban esque house parties. And while this movie is set in the luxurious LA lifestyle, I feel like the house party that they go to in this movie is every house party I went to growing up in high school where you have someone getting their head shaved in the bathroom for whatever reason. You have people throwing up in the pool. And it's just, it's messy, it's not pretty, but it's fun. And it yeah. feels authentic, which I really liked about. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was just a very good scene. And I love the banter between uh, Dion and uh, Donald Faison. Like, that just... And then when she brings up, like, she's going to call his mom, like, you immediately understand. (laughs) You immediately understand the kind, like, he's a mama's boy, just through and through, which is just so much fun to see that evolve so naturally and not really Mm ham-fistedly. I love the scene where she's driving and accidentally gets on the freeway. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down! That part freaked me out because I'm like, whoa, this is way too bad. Like, this this is real bad driving. Yeah, but when all the motorcycles come up, it's so good. Yeah, it's very funny. That that scene frustrated me. (laughs) Because I'm like... Just pull over. <laughs> you don't she think just, about that when yeah. you're in a high stress, high panic situation yeah, like that. Tranquilo. <laughs> yeah. Slowing down on a freeway where everyone around you is moving fast feels scary, and and changing lanes is scary. She's this scared. is this is true. Yeah, she was overcome by she's overcome by all the driving was 
so silly and bad and dangerous. How vapid Cher was for during her DMV test was was really painful for me. I, oh, I failed. <laughs> you took a beer off a car. What do you mean? Oh, I failed. She lives in a bubble. Is what she's clueless. It's what the movie's about. <laughs> Maybe my problem with the movie is that I'm annoyed at them being clueless and just not being like more. I don't know. At least few. Uh, at least five people should have some clue in this movie. <laughs> yeah, needs to have some amount of clue in the movie. Um, speaking of locations, do you know which mall they shot at? Was that the West Side Pavilion thing? No, 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 no. Uh, which one they shot at? Not the one they were oh, supposed to be the, at. The one, the exterior shot. Yes. Yeah. But the one they shot at is. The Sherman Oaks Westfield. Mm. Wait, is that the one where Ty gets like held over the edge? Yep. Also, very. That was weird. Yeah. Also, <laughs> that's literally like attempted murder. Like, I was like, "Whoa, what the fuck is happening in this movie? This is crazy." <laughs> um, I feel like this is a virgin suicides all over again. What's going on? Two very different movies about a teenage female experience. Yeah. Very different. But like oddly. I was in the pairing. I feel yeah. like they work together mm-hmm. in some pretty fun ways. Yeah. Um, I was just really excited to know which mall that was. Because I knew you would be. It's the one right by us at work. It's the one that they have an 85 degrees there now. I don't know. I don't think they did back then, though. They, they didn't. They didn't <laughs> back then. It looks different, but I'm like, I've been on that escalate. Isn't that the mall that they shoot Terminator 2 in as well? Like where. Oh. Where the where Arnold meets young John Connor Connor and runs away. Like I'm pretty sure that's the same mall. Someone's gotta look that up. Um, I all I want to do is like go hang out at that mall. We can go walk around at like old department stores, which feels so like dated in the movie because it's like you remember them from our childhood, which is fun. Yeah. Hey um, man, I still I still mess up a Macy's every now and then. <laughs> but Macy's don't look like that anymore. No, they don't at all. They're very sad. <laughs> <laughs> like we should go to a Boston's concert also. <laughs> oh my. Oh my god, I forgot. That I was like Is this the Mighty Mighty Boss? Hell yeah it is. That's the I did, impression I got. I didn't the only song I know from them is that I never uh, that one. But I don't I didn't know the song. I was like I think this is a Mighty Mighty Boston. Yeah. And just the shot of the skanking happening. Yeah. Lots of skanking right Back over. when ska was just passive fun music. There was, was Gwen Stefani like in the movie too. Yeah. Yeah. This very good soundtrack in the movie. I was a big fan of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But I just, the thing that stuck out to me about the Mighty Mighty Boss songs, they have a person dedicated to only skanking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, that was his position in the band, skanker. Yeah. You got a skank they, and they know ring. who they are. <laughs> um, How do you dance to that? You like the movie, or excuse me, you say you like the music. Yeah, you oh. also you like the movie. Both. Yeah, I love the music. I really like the music, but it felt weird because every time they played music i feel like i was just rocking out to like an 80s or 90s jam and like being pulled away from the movie because it's like so aggressively like here's some here's some gwen stefani lyrics but that's how teens listen to music yeah it's not a background thing it's like a very active <laughs> I d- a I, choice you hit play live yeah you're changing my perspective right now on that because i would have never thought about that as a like an in-world choice it just felt like an like an aggressive like this music isn't subtle in a way that i feel like music in movies is normally subtle it's just like 
we fucking hit the radio on and it's the most diegetic shit in the no, world. No, Josh is always listening to Radiohead. Cher calls him out on how boring that is. It's like, it's like <laughs> a language. It's, it's very smart. And also, you need to watch literally any Vietnam War movie because it's always just Credence Clearwater revival. Like, I feel like unlike a lot of movies that like try to evoke a, a, an era through the smash hit singles, like Clueless was made in a time where these this music was just playing on the radio, like not like how it is now, but like, oh, this is the brand new Gwen Stefani song. This is the brand new, uh, what's the band called? It's not Gwen Stefani. It's uh, No Doubt. No Doubt. Yeah, this is a brand new No Doubt song. Like, this is just like, oh, wow, this is a popular hit in the year that this movie was released, yeah. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Again, another snapshot of the time the movie was made in, and in a way that I feel wasn't distracting. But others here might disagree. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not cultured enough to be able to appreciate something like that. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Gwen Stefani, let's go rock out sticks. Let's, yeah. I, I feel like I'm out of things. But Coral, is there something about this movie that, that Joey might have missed? Because he's, he clearly did not watch it properly. Okay, how about <laughs> the theme of the movie? Like, like, uh, like all the girls feel like they need a boyfriend to be validated, not because they want one. That's, That's not, not what it is. They just wanted a boyfriend. And so they... The first half of the movie is Cher enjoying other types of friendship and interaction. And like specifically saying like at around the midpoint of the movie, this is all fun, but what if maybe I want a boyfriend? Yeah. But the whole first half of the movie, she's not doing that. When they're like walking to the school at the beginning, they're talking about it like it's like a status thing and not like it's like a yeah, human choice thing. Yeah, but that's also like part of teenage. I don't know. That all makes sense to me. I feel like the way a lot of people talked about dating in high school was like, oh, I want a boyfriend or I want a girlfriend rather than like, I met this person in chem class. They're great. It's <laughs> yeah. always, that's not. I was the, on Bumble. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, you, they make a decision. I want to date someone. And then the, the who is like a secondary question. It is a status thing. She is, she's popular. That's a big part of it. Is there a, a way a movie like Clueless could be made about modern day without – like I'm trying to think of a movie that's like Clueless that was made recently. Yeah. And I think the closest I can get to is Booksmart mm-hmm. because like I feel like it's evoking the same kind of like wild high school party vibes that this movie does and it's just I think very honest and – wholesome about all, everything it's conveying and uh, just like an authentic snapshot and slice of lifestyle thing that's been exaggerated for a comedic effect. Yeah, like, that really treats everyone like a, a full human being, even if you're not, yeah. I, I feel like maybe just book smart, mm-hmm. but I can't really think of anything else. And that's just, I feel like a movie like this is hard to execute well. Yeah. I think I think this movie also did well at, the, a lot of the fun lingo and the the aesthetic of all of it wasn't trying to be the most genuine version of the 90s. It was trying to be like its own, like through the looking glass version of it. So it, it can kind of stand alone and not become as dated as other things that are like just very hyper literal. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of how you would do something like that today. It's really hard to do an exaggerated version of your current era to yeah. have that that awareness i think yeah like it works in retrospect you're like Mm -hmm. oh they did that well and we know they did that well after the fact yeah it's easy to satirize the 80s but i don't know if people living in the 80s could do that then 
what else do you have, Coral? I feel I feel like I feel like there's a lot of like thoughts and like pent up. Um, I mean, I I just the real sweetness of this movie is just what always I come back to, and I think it's as far as a rom com, it's it's romantic through and through. It's not just about the relationship between a man and a woman. It is a true like rose-colored glasses view of of life that really cherishes every aspect of life and romanticizes everything that's happening and i think that that is a really great way to do a rom-com where it's like a fantasy and everything really gets to shine instead of it just being about that relationship amen i also uh this is one of the rare movies where i actually pause the movie to screenshot someone's shirt (laughs) <laughs> and it's when uh, when they talk about how the I think the guys sagged their pants or whatever, mm-hmm. and the, the, the whitest man in the world is wearing a giant ass t shirt that says "We demand reparations," <laughs> and I was just like, "This is the best shirt in the world!" Oh my god, it's like a triple XL. I had to screenshot that shirt, and I have it saved on my desktop forever, and it's gonna be the thumbnail for this entire podcast. Oh. <laughs> Very good. But, oh, go ahead. This movie's hard for me to evaluate, I think, critically because it's something that I've watched so much from such a young age where, like, this movie was embedded in my brain before I thought about movies as, like, an art or a series of creative choices or something that someone makes. It was just, I watched this movie because this is how it exists in the world and it's fun. So it's really hard to go back and watch movies like that. I don't know if you felt that way with any movies that you grew up with but it's hard to like force that kind of critical lens over something because you have like an inherent bias almost because you love it so much yeah Yeah. no i I agree i'm not sure that we've watched a movie that's evoked that same spirit for me but like i'm here to say i think the movie's pretty damn good (laughs) still i feel that way about games and i feel like i can't feel that way about movies because there's nothing that i would have that fondness for from a generation but i definitely feel that way there's a couple games that I that I that kind of evokes that so mm-hmm. yes I also realized that I thought there was genuinely some historically bad thing that happened at Pismo Beach because of this movie and they do their big disaster fundraiser at the end for Pismo Beach and in my mind Pismo Beach was just <laughs> in another country and something bad did happen in 1995 <laughs> and it wasn't until like this watch through I was like what am I what <laughs> Did you look it up? Yes. <laughs> Nothing bad's ever happened in Pismo. Fine. Oh man, that's really fun. Isn't that far from go to, LA? Go to Pismo. I think it's like Central no. California. Oh. It's, it's below San Luis Obispo. Yeah, it's it's a little it's bit not, of a drive. It's not, it's not that far. It's like two hours, though, right? It's probably closer to three from right here. But yeah, no. I before I watched this, I realized this was wrong. But growing up, I thought it was like. Cambodia. Like, I thought it was a far away place where really bad things happened. Isn't that the place where everyone rides quads? Yeah, Pismo Beach has sand dunes. Yeah, that's how I grew up. Like, oh, that's a place where everyone brings their loud ass motorcycles and ATVs. Like, that was what my friends did at Pismo Beach. Mm. Yeah. But, Joey, in the grand scheme of Joey Hates Movies, is Clueless worse than Jurassic Park? Is it better than Green Book? Where does it lie on the list? Um, and it, did you do your homework? I did. I, last time 
we talked about how I was going to make a list ranking everything. So maybe I'll go through that first. I don't know what the best way. There, there's 15 movies on this list now. So I, I think this is team. This is where you reveal where Clueless is while also going through your list. But what's the best way to do this? Like bottom 1 to 15? Bottom, bottom up. up. Okay. Um, bottom up, movie number 15 is Persona. Oh my god. <laughs> what a wild ass list. <laughs> funny <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you're laughing at me though not with me <laughs> hey, i don't know <laughs> um number 14 is Jurassic. <laughs> and let me uh, uh, let me i'll keep going number 13 is airplane <laughs> <laughs> that ingmar bergman <laughs> If you're not watching the video version of it, you're missing what might not be on mic, which is none of us being able to, to remain calm. Um, number 12 is Memento. Hell yeah. Clueless beat Memento. Yeah. <laughs> number Take 11 that, is Clueless. Uh, All right. Just <laughs> we tried. Number Wait a second. You like Clueless less than Green Book? Number 10 is the Green Book. What? You can watch Clueless on mute and learn more than you can from watching the Green Book. So, hear me out. Uh, before before I go further in, into the into the top ten, I think this, I think this list comes with not like a caveat, but like I think I've almost developed a rule. <clears throat> I think the Green Book has become the line of demarcation for a movie that I do or don't like. So, like, if I like a movie, it's better than the Green Book. But if I don't like a movie, it's the Green Book or worse. And if I don't, if I, if I, if I think a movie is incredibly bad, then it's the Jurassic Park line. I feel like this has to, like, Jurassic Park is the most simple good thing <laughs> To feel so strongly <laughs> negative about it, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Your stance is, racism is fine. I'd rather watch racism than dinosaurs. <laughs> it's just dinosaurs. What's not to like? Whatever. Go back to the Jurassic Park. Uh, number nine is The Virgin Suicides. Okay. Number eight is The Matrix. Number seven is The General. Number huh. six is Fargo. Number five is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, number four is Hereditary. Number three is The Thing. Number two is Seven. And number <laughs> one is Collateral. <laughs> I didn't think you would like Collateral that much. Yeah. I also didn't feel like you liked Seven as much as it, where it ended up. Interesting, yeah. Hmm. It stuck with him. It haunted him the longest. So... If if I were to if I were to round out uh, like like a top three, it's, it's collateral seven the thing with with honorary mentions to hereditary. I had always I'm I've always been waiting for the proper podcast to be like to my coworkers. Hey, I I don't really like to promote things I do like this, but you should listen to our podcast. <laughs> and I think after hearing this list, I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I I Jones to be uh, you know how like some of those uh, media outlet publications have like their uh, these are all of our staffers' favorite ten movies. <laughs> Dude, this is a fucked up list. <laughs> I, I it's like know. Polygon's top one hundred video games. Like, oh, what did what did you what have you done? 
So you like serious but energetic things. That's what I'm getting from your top three. Collateral, Seven, and The Thing. They're all very serious, but they move, you know? That's probably, I mean... Which would explain why you hate Clueless. (laughs) (laughs) Far and away the silliest thing I think we've watched. Very frothy. I think you don't like pop silliness. That, you know, that's probably a good analysis based on also what I do and don't like from television because I feel like the Mm. television I like is serious but moves with, like, very intentful writing. Yeah. All right. What a what a list! Well, come on, this is no, but this is definitively like you know every every listicle out there has like the top ten movies of all. It's always the same. Mm-hmm. They're always the same movies in maybe a slightly different order, but this list is one of a kind. <laughs> it is truly one of a it, kind. It defies all logic. I published this list uh, on our website um, just so that it has like a real public log that exists. And it's not something that I just made up. I will keep it updated. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to tweet this out with so many like qualifiers. Like, this is not my view. This is not my view. The, this is the Joey hates movies. Joey's rankings. I mean, the real thing is, um, I feel like you should almost do your own so we can slightly compare just to like. Maybe I don't even understand how absurd this is because I don't have any other perspective. Oh, I like that idea. So maybe you should rearrange them and then we can kind of go through it that way. Yeah. So maybe I can find some more uh, understanding of why I'm wrong. Um, but I feel pretty good about it. I feel, right. I feel pretty good about it. Um, what I don't know, or if I feel good about it yet or not, is the next movie we're going to talk about because I haven't been told what it is yet. Because it's generally a surprise. And I believe it's Nick who has to choose one. And I don't know if Nick's thought about choosing one up until this moment. I have. Nick has. He's prepared. You know how I say he was a hard worker? Hard worker. Yeah. Nick's great. The next movie on our list. <sighs> Sticking to the traditional film bro, inner film bro in me. <laughs> Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Wow. That's daring. I feel like I'm holding my favorite movies like close because I don't want to subject them to this experience. (laughs) You're going for it. I'm just letting it out there. All right. I'm just letting it out there because I'm I'm fascinated to see what happens. (laughs) Perfect. It's November 2019. November. The the future of Blade Runner is literally right now. Yeah. That's what so many people are talking about the movie right now Mm -hmm. because we're now officially living in the future. That's all I know about it. I haven't seen Blade Runner, which I feel like is a movie that I think people would have expected me to see? I don't think so. No? No. I feel like I've gotten that before. I've like, oh, you ever see Blade Runner? But then I guess I get that for every movie people say. I'm not a good touch, uh, I'm not a good marker for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but we are going to be watching the Ridley Scott's final cut of Blade Runner. There's four different cuts of this movie. There's the theatrical. I'll make a note. Final there's the uh, war, wait theatrical. There's like I think the Chinese release directors and then final cut. I believe um, they Does are the Chinese release. Edit the map so that there's <laughs> yes no. Um, every version of this movie is very different. <laughs> the the original theatrical version. This is the only thing I will say about this movie is the original theatrical version that was released. 
in theaters had voiceover narrating everything that was happening. So uh, the your homework for the next Joey Hates movies is Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, The Final Cut. It is available literally everywhere. It's one of the most popular movies now because of Blade Runner 2049. So uh, it should be very easy to watch. And I'm very curious to hear everyone's thoughts if they've never watched it. I think it's long if you're looking up runtime. Yeah, it's pretty long. It's like two hours and 20, I think. No, it's like an hour 50. I see. Yeah, it, it's, it's less than two hours. Yeah. It, oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, that does it for this episode. If you want to consider uh, supporting this little operation, back us over on patreon.com slash cybergarbage. You will not only get access to this podcast in video form and audio form early, a week early before it hits your other podcast feed, you freeloader. Uh, you'll also get Garbage Game Club, which is our video game version of this podcast, but without call. Um, so that does it. Consider backing us over there. And until then, we will see you next time. Goodbye. So you texted. That's where you texted. I didn't ask you. I'm just asking. <clears throat> Buddy Oliver. Oliver. I don't know about Oliver. Do your moms do that if you text in front of them? No. Oh, my mom does that. And I'm like, I haven't lived in this state. Odds are you don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> my mom always just told me, put your phone away. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I do always feel weird when I use my phone. Like, even when I'm around people, mm-hmm. like, that's just weird to me. I feel it's because my mom was like, put your Game Boy away growing up. So it's just very much that same vibe. Just, just be you, man. Huh? You do you. Well, you, I couldn't do that as a child. Well, it's interesting because people like who were came of adolescence before the internet and texting and all that stuff tend to think texting is much ruder than answering a phone call, whereas people are <clears throat> younger think answering a phone call in a group would be rude, but like passively texting is kind of fun. Mm. I always just, I don't think I really ever respond to texts texts when I'm like with people. Mm-hmm. But if there's a call, I do like the, like, oh man, they're in the middle of a sentence. How much longer is it going to ring? Can I wait for them, their sentence to finish before I can pick up? And then I just do like the awkward, like, <laughs> the you know, hold your finger up and be like, wait, yeah. wait, uh, uh, one second, I'm going to pick up this call real quick. And then it's just like, me scrambling out of the room as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work in an open oh, an open office space where mm-hmm. everyone just takes their calls by people's desk, and I'm like, absolutely awful. Why would you do that? Yeah. Like, what? The door to the outside is like three steps away from you. Why wouldn't you just go outside to take a call? Yeah, I'm always taking calls either outside or away from someone. I couldn't just do it at my desk. Oh. Mostly because I'm concerned that a particular person in my office would literally bite my head off if they heard me talking. <laughs> <So. Yeah. clears throat>